1: Lynn Morrison. Yes, we do. And it was a great interview. And it's another one of our new author interviews. And right. Lynn uh, started publishing Paranormal Cozies in 2019. Or did she start with Cozies? I can't remember. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. And she's
2: started pretty recently. I don't remember if it was I think it was
1: 2019. Or 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really good. She talks about the cost now of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um just grassroots newsletter building. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And then she also talked about um
2: like how she found her editor and cover artist.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um the other thing we talked about was like how she took her time mm-hmm. with like before she launched. And this is something that Jamie did too. She really built yeah. up her knowledge before mm-hmm. she launched. So we talked yeah. about that. And um, it's just a really good interview. I'm enjoying these uh new author ones. I think they're yeah. lots of fun.
1: Yeah, and I was so I was surprised. And then I'm like, why are you surprised, Jamie, that you guys <laughs> were really excited about these? Because I remember, and even now, you know, when I hear someone at a conference talking about, you know, their super successful um publishing journey, and I realized, you know, that they started publishing back in 2012. And then builds up a readership then when there were not very many people and they've kept that readership that I kind of go, but things are different now. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the same thing for you guys. And so we, I'm, I'm super glad that you are excited. And um, this is a great interview. Lynn is very entertaining. Um, We just had a great time and Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're going to really love it. So what's going on with you, Sarah?
2: Uh, well, this week I actually launched the first, my first translation. Ah! Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's well, it's on pre-order. So it's uploaded. Right. It's, it's the French edition, mm-hmm. which is probably not going to sell as well as the German edition, but I'm, you know, like everything I'm doing it for the long haul and I'm figuring, mm-hmm. you know, I will earn my money back even if yes. it takes a couple of years. So yeah. I did that. It's, it's up on pre-order mm-hmm. and I did some ads for it. I'm doing just ads in the French uh, uh, Amazon store and we'll right. see how that goes. And then I'm doing it wide because, you know, uh, Kobo is big in Canada, the French, big French speaking population. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna try some, eventually, you know, I'll try some ads in on Kobo and see how or, um promotions on Kobo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was like my big thing for this week and it was nerve wracking. It's just like, Slightly terrifying to yeah, put it out yeah. when you you know you can't read it. You've had it proofed and you've had the translation assessed. Yeah, yeah. I used Reazy, like we talked about a while back. I used yes. Reazy to check the uh, translation assessment when I first started.
1: Right. So um,
2: yeah, so it should all be good. Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> it is one of those just let it go kind of things. Mm-hmm. You really, there's only. I mean, you can do what you can do, and then after that, you have to let it go. So.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's out there. And um, yeah. So I'm doing a short like seven day pre-order on that. And uh, so I did that and been doing a lot of, um, been doing some writing this week. I got mm-hmm. kind of back into it, which is good. It still feels like it's going really slow, but yeah, I'm getting there. I'm keeping an eye on at it. So, yep.
1: Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, and there was another cool thing that I found this week while I was writing. It's from, um, go to the site so i can get the name right if you go to freethesaurus.com it brings up a thing where you can search you know like you can do a a search for a word so today or the other day i put in like run or walk and it's very cool because it brings up this visual it's got like run in the middle and then it has all these branches that come off of it and so like different words like compete race flee take part continue and then each one of those has words that branch off of it Mm. so it's super visual which i love Mm -hmm. and then like the the synonyms are green and they have a couple of antonyms thrown in there and they're Mm -hmm. red so Mm -hmm. it's just very visual i'll put a link in the show notes oh yeah that's cool
1: yeah because i you
2: know like you can only have them run walk (laughs) dash
1: (laughs) shuffle their feet very fast yeah (laughs) yeah
2: then you need some new words. So, so I thought that was cool. So what's been going on with you?
1: Uh, well, I am, um, on Friday. So I did something different this time with this release and y'all I'm not sure. I'm not sure (laughs) if I've done the right thing or not. So with every release prior to this one, I have put the book before it for free per David Godgren's, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Advice. Uh, David Gogrin, the my publishing religious leader. And uh, so anyway, but um, I'm having someone help me with ads right now. And their suggestion was to not put Homecoming King for free because they said they, their reasoning was it was too early, but that book's a year old. And for me, that's not too early. But again, as I've said, when you ask for advice from people that you you know and they take the time to think about it then you should at least try it so i tried it and you know the the launch went well i think it would have gone better or or i might have had a better rank for the money i was spending had i put the book for free but the rank was still good so i'm i'm still okay with that but what i decided to do was wait i waited just over a month, um, you know, because the 30 day cliff, right? If that's even if it's a thing, I get I mean, it is, I think a it's thing. a thing. It it's is a, a thing. thing. I don't normally see a 30 day cliff like, like really falling off, but I think that's because I run ads pretty consistently and that's why. But that's neither here nor there. So I waited just a little over a month and Friday the book went. the the first book went free. So Homecoming King is free for five days, hoping to keep the launch, um, momentum going for, you Mm -hmm. know, another month. And so I was doing graphics and doing a bunch of stuff for that this week and getting ready for that. And so yesterday I think I had, um, 2000 downloads. And I think I'm already at 1500 today, but I have free books each day. So yesterday, I mean, I I scheduled at least one promo every day Mm -hmm. and I have some newsletter swaps going on. And then I didn't send my newsletter out yesterday because I had a couple of big people sending theirs out. Plus I had ENT. I think that's the only one I had yesterday. So I waited until today and I sent my Mm -hmm. newsletter out. Mm-hmm. And it will go out this afternoon. I mean, it's scheduled to go out this afternoon. So I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> if the, <laughs> You know, I I just feel like there, there are the tried and true ways to do things, but it doesn't hurt to switch it up and try some new stuff. And so I'm trying some new stuff and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah, That fine. reminds
2: me, um, this week I also did some like just – uploading of things and getting like getting ready for my launch in January. So I was double checking all my uploads, making sure all my files were good. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that if you're a white author and you're on um, Apple books, Mm -hmm. they now have a form you can fill out to request promotion. So you have to go into like, it's the Apple books, you know, like you would go in and you would choose, um, promotion there's a it's not an actually promotion tab it's a little bit hard to find right. so I will put a link to like the main page and then you have to scroll down to the bottom and it says you know promotion ideas or promotion yes. something you click on that and then it's there's a form that you can fill out and you can say hey I have a sale I have a new release coming oh, that's so cool. yeah. yeah that's really nice because they're a little bit harder to get in touch with than yeah. some of the other vendors <laughs>
1: They are, um, and I actually didn't even start anything yesterday because I was interview- uh, until at yesterday afternoon like, like putting any like things on TikTok or mm-hmm. uh, Facebook or uh, Instagram because yesterday morning I was interviewed on the Not Your Average Lives podcast, mm. which was cool. It's about it's um uh, it's for women. It's women that start a ton of new ventures midlife. Sort of thing. Oh, and how cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, it was great. I talked too much, I think, because, you know, I don't get to talk to people anymore and I have a lot <laughs> of words built up. um And so I was a little worried about that, but she assured me it was fine. So that was fun. And then I went to see Dune and oh my Ooh. gosh, it was so good. So good. Oh, good. I loved it. So I've been yeah. waiting. I have not read the books, but I'm going to. Um, but because I just wasn't sure, you know, I do like
0: mm-hmm.
1: sci-fi, but I don't like I don't read a lot of sci fi. Most if I'm gonna read like outside my genre, it's urban fantasy or fantasy. Right. But really, Dune in a lot of ways, well, the movie anyway, um, it had some fantasy elements to it, I felt mm-hmm. like. I mean, it just it's just so otherworldly, but it's mostly sci-fi. So I'm going to read the books, but oh gosh, it was good. It was really good. And um, then I came home and did that, but I just have to tell people right now, if you're on TikTok and you're not following and losing your mind, laughing at Elise Myers on TikTok, (laughs) then what are you doing with your lives? I mean. Y'all, this woman is hilarious and she's kind of gotten famous for the hundred taco story. That's she's so funny and she's just such a funny storyteller. Um, so anyway, the way she tells stories is amazing and really funny. So if you're on TikTok, you should you should at least watch some of her videos. Elise Myers, it's E-L-Y-S-E and then M-E-Y-E-R-S. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, two
2: good story recommendations there. You're the yeah. second person I've heard say that Dune is really good.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. so good. I mean, I'm I'll probably see it again. I mean, you know, it's a three parter, but um,
2: yeah, I'm always kind of cool. leery on yeah, things that are like super big blockbusters that have been based on something else. You're like, mm, I just don't know. I always kind of wait a little bit to see what the consensus is.
1: <laughs> right. You know, if it's a book. I mean, if it's a movie of a book I've never read, I tend to watch the movie and then read the book because I don't, I want to go with, especially if it's a big one like this, mm-hmm. I want to go in with no expectations. So, mm-hmm. but it was so intriguing and you could just tell there was a ton of backstory and a ton of things that they probably, de- you know, couldn't yeah. deal with that. I, um, I'm like, oh, now I'm intrigued. I have. Yeah. it. So no, that's good. But it's so funny, a good I job. I was walking into the movie yesterday, and I was my daughter called, and she she said, "I I said uh, I can't talk. I'm walking into the movie." And she said, "Oh, what do you see?" And I said, "Dune." She said, "What the butt is that?" And I was like, "Have you lived under a rock for the last year? I mean, get out, girl." She's a little busy. <laughs> she is busy. She's the one with five kids. So
2: yeah, yeah. There's like a whole like section of time that I have no. Yeah, entertainment memory. references for because i was busy with little toddlers so i understand that exactly exactly yeah. well, All right, we, should
1: well we should
2: get on with them, we get oh. on with the interview and then we should do a question y'all
1: so i'm the worst yes <laughs> question and we had a great question last week
2: yes about um, newsletters about newsletter how you build builders. A newsletter yes
1: and you guys yeah. were great you had some awesome um ideas yeah awesome jamie's ideas. gonna
2: read uh one of the responses and I'll just summarize. We had um, lots of uh, like newsletter builder, mm-hmm. like participating in newsletter builders to build your newsletter. Uh-huh. Um, lots of people who, uh, one person had used an organic pop up on their website, mm-hmm. which is, I'm using that too. It only took me like four years to get it set up yeah. from when I heard the idea, but it does work. So that's yeah. a cool that's idea. That's the too. thing,
1: y'all. People hate pop ups, but they work. Yeah. I mean, statistically, they, do. they work. So, yeah. yeah. So and do you want to read Angels? Yes. Angel Lawson said, my co-author and I recently wrote a new magnet for our completed series, hoping to get readers from part one of the series over to part two, which is really smart, y'all, because I don't know like what the situation is, but I've actually thought about this because the first two books in my series, all four characters are in those books, mm-hmm. but from two to three, those characters are not in that book and and i do see a fall off so that's a super smart way to kind of combine and um tie the series together so that was a really good idea yeah
2: it's a good tip yeah Mm -hmm. all right so what should we ask this week um so we talked to her about we talked to lynn about like taking your time and kind of like the guerrilla marketing tactics that she used to oh, yeah. launch her book.
1: But what about this? What about where are you finding your cover artist and your editors?
2: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be specifically like, this is the person's name.
1: No. You like how share. did?
2: You... <laughs> I mean, you can if you want, if you want to give them a shout out and give them some business. But if like, how did you find them? Because yeah, that's a huge question.
1: Them? And and how did, especially like with the editors, like, how did you um, decide on that one? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Because you
2: know, so... it is. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like finding a translator and assessing your translation. Yes. It's tricky. Yes, <laughs> so, yes
1: exactly. exactly. Yeah.
2: Okay, well, we should get on with the interview
1: then. Yeah, now we should get on with the interview. <laughs> okay. Since I'm not walking over Sarah.
0: <laughs> All right, here's Lynn.
1: All right, well, today we're really
2: excited to talk to Lynn Morrison. Hi, Lynn, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we are very excited to have you.
2: So let me read your bio and we'll get started. Lynn Morrison lives in Oxford, England, along with her husband, two daughters, and two cats. Born and raised in Mississippi, her wonderless attitude has led her to live in California, Italy, France, and the Netherlands. It's no surprise that she loves to travel with a never-ending wish list of destinations to visit. She is as passionate about reading as she is writing. It can almost always be found within a book with a book in her hand. So I totally awesome. identify with that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Lynn, tell us how
0: did you get into writing? Yeah. So I don't have the traditional writer story. Like I didn't write my whole life. Me either. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's all right. So um, I always say that writing, it always has been and it continues to be like my life vest. When I feel like I'm drowning, writing mm-hmm. is the thing that I retreat into. Um, so the way I got started is that My husband and I, shortly after we got married, he got a job offer to move to the Netherlands. In Europe, we were living in San Francisco at the time. And he asked to delay his start date for a year. And um, they said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I was like, well, I have to leave my job anyway. So it would totally make sense now to also have a baby, um, (laughs) as one does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, you know, it was like, okay, well, we'll try for one. And of course I get pregnant right away. And, and that's how I ended up moving to a country I had never set foot in before with a seven week baby in tow. And I didn't speak the language and um, I had no job prospects because the job market in the Netherlands was terrible at the time. So I sat at home for kind of a year and tried to learn my way around and eventually thought, how can there be like no resource here? for parents like me. There's so many expats here, mm-hmm. um, but everything was in Dutch. So I started writing to create a website for expat parents. And then um, from there, I moved into blogging. And then as my blogging friends started to move into books, I followed along, although they started their sort of full-time writing careers a lot sooner than I did.
1: Right.
0: That's how I got into it. That's amazing. That's so that's such an interesting route uh, to take. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that.
2: <laughs> Well, tell us how you got into fiction writing and like how long it took you to write your first book and how that came about.
0: Yeah. So as I said, I started in blogging and I was doing sort of the typical parenting blog. And um, I worked with this fantastic editor who would rip apart my scenes and would really sort of teach me to look at things in a new way. And I started to stray into fiction within Mm -hmm. my parenting blogs Mm because I would think, well, what's the message that I really want to convey to parents today? And what's the best story that would tell it? And often it was like, might've been influenced by something that happened, but I would fictionalize a whole scene in my head about, you know, this happened and blah, blah. And from there I took away this great life lesson. And I wrote up a post like that and it went crazy viral, like was on the Today Show Parents website, million views. um, And it was a complete fiction I mean, it was like a very touching moment, but that moment hadn't happened, but that moment was the perfect moment to describe what I wanted people to learn. And I really, you know, was like, oh, well, that fiction thing worked out well there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you should lean into that, huh? More of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just started crafting more and more fiction. And before I knew it, you know, my friends, some of my blogging friends were like, oh, we're thinking about doing this NaNoWriMo thing. Why don't you give it a go with us? And we all started to do NaNoWriMo in uh, 2015, so a long time ago. Um, I did it with um, two authors, Kristen May and Megan Flynn. Megan o Flynn, and yeah, it was crazy. I just wrote every night, and I had always sworn I don't have a book in me, but lo and behold, I had a book in me. That came out <laughs> under the constraints of nano I have never published that book. I'm still working on that book. So my first novel's like never really done, but I've published right. sort of nine or whatever it is since then. Wow. Which just goes to show you, you don't have to publish the first one you do, right? Right. But you did, when did you publish your first book? I published it in May 2020, 31st of May 2020. There's nothing like um, publishing a book right in the middle of a global pandemic when Mm. everyone in the world is in lockdown. Mm -hmm. And um, it was when all the... um, all the race situations started happening in the state, So it was like, yeah. I, I was, I had reached out to a bunch of my friends. Will you help me promote my book? And they all said yes. And we were all lined up and everything blew up and and none of us said, I feel, it doesn't feel right to promote a book mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, now. Okay. So it was, you know, very much a bumpy start, but it was mm-hmm. the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just kept going. I guess yeah, so none mean it fell and- over.
1: So nine books in what uh a year and a half eight, eighteen months yeah so how many do you um we sent Lynn questions and I'm straying from them so you know <laughs> here we go right. but um, how how often do you publish?
0: I try and publish every kind of two three months mm-hmm. um that is my goal I have had a longer stretch in between there um right. but yeah that i I can. You know, it took me five years and still working on that first book that I did. But, Mm -hmm. you know, now I can do probably a 75K book in six, seven weeks is how long it takes me to write and edit it.
1: Wow. That's amazing. That's great. So what was your marketing plan uh, when you started besides your friends (laughs) helping (laughs) you and then everything blowing up? So
0: So I come from a business background. I spent 20 years working in marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was like, this should be totally in the bag for me because... I should just know it all right Um, even though you you don't you know I worked for an energy company so knowing how to market energy is quite different from knowing how to market a book (laughs) Um, but that said I knew enough about the tactics and I was very um, I tried to be very realistic and setting milestones and goals so with Mm -hmm. the first book I was like this I had I had planned to write um, four books in that series and I was going to sort of rapid release them every couple of months Um, and I said this first book is proof of concept, you know, mm-hmm. will anyone read what I've written? If they right. do read it, will they like it or not? You know, mm-hmm. will I get a whole bunch of terrible reviews and I'll need to rethink my life plan? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or will it will it do okay enough to sort of say, put out the second book and it does right. that do okay and, and kind of grow from there? So I did a lot of grassroots marketing with the first book. Um, I joined all the sort of like cozy reader Facebook groups. I started mm-hmm. engaging in them A couple of months before the book came out, I wanted people to know my face, know I was an Mm -hmm. active member of the community. And then when the book came out, it was like everybody could celebrate with me rather than me Mm -hmm. being somebody random who just popped in and threw up a post. Um, And I did a fussy librarian because Mm -hmm. that was cheap. Um, But it it worked in getting my name out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when the second book came out, so that was middle of July last year, I decided to be crazy and apply for a book bub. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought there's no way I'll ever get a book bub, but they gave me an international book bub, which is still super exciting. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. took the international book bub um, and sold a lot of copies and saw read-through, my books are in KU, saw read-through into the second book, which was great. So I was like, okay, keep going, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? This is going fine. Keep Just keep paddling, you know, mm-hmm. look like you're smooth sailing, but underneath there's a lot of... Right, paddling. right, right, right.
1: Yeah.
2: Did That's you cool. write... Both the book, Did you write one book at a time or did you hold books? No, I did.
0: Um, I think I had the first book and half of the second done mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. I launched the first book. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had this big master plan when I started in January that I was going to write all three and then rapid release them once a month. Mm-hmm. And I didn't factor in a pandemic and homeschooling and mm-hmm. everybody being stuck in the house. And so I had to, I had to adjust my plan from there um yeah but I didn't have you know I, I had quit my job and I was fully into the full-time writer mm-hmm. so at least I didn't have that competing for my time I had everything else competing for yeah. my time but but not mm-hmm. a job as well yeah. well that was a big leap it was a big leap yeah um <laughs> it was a big leap but it was a calculated leap mm-hmm. um you know I mean as I said I i had lots of life things happen to us in 2019. It was quite a terrible year for us. We had a, you know, death in the immediate family. Um, My job went sideways. I changed jobs. That one was terrible. Mm -hmm. And it was just like one of those moments where you, you stop Mm -hmm. and take stock of your life Mm -hmm. and say, is this really what I want to be doing? Why are we going after, you know, the climb in the career ladder and I'm never Mm -hmm. at home. And, and is this, you know, we're earning all this money that we never spend. And is this worth it? No, right, right, let's do right. something different. Good. Um, so I knew I could do kind of marketing consulting on the side. So I mm-hmm. sat down with my husband and said, what's the minimum amount I have to earn to keep the family going mm-hmm. um, on top of what he earns. And we figured out what that number was. And as long as I hit that number, I can, I can yep. keep doing this. Right. Very good.
1: Yeah, that's Very awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, what
2: do you know now that you wish you had known when you started?
0: Um I think what I wish I'd known back then is that it's okay to go big on the launch of a first book. I kind of wish I'd gone a bit bigger um in mm-hmm. getting my name out there because then by the time I got the confidence to really say, "Hey world, here's my book. I really want to tell you about it." You know, mm-hmm. it was it had been out for 6-8 months. It mm-hmm. wasn't a new release anymore, and some of the doors that would have been open to me felt like they were closed. Mm-hmm. Um that might be wrong, but you know, it's just balancing out I think that new author lack of confidence either in yourself or the product or how much money you can really afford to put into things and will any of this generate a return with uh, you know once you've done it a few times going I don't need to have four books to earn out the investment that I'm going to put in here so I wish Mm -hmm. I'd gone in a bit bigger and done things like posted on NetGalley for review and some Mm -hmm. of the other just to help early on build a buzz about the book. I didn't do any of that.
2: Mm. Did you go wide with your books or did you go into KU and you started? I went
0: straight into KU. I'm a big KU binge reader. I have been for a long time. So I was like, I want to serve my people, which are me. (laughs) (laughs) I know your market, right? (laughs) Yeah. I am very much my market.
1: Um, So um, I'm going to, add a question uh here because about market like how did you know did you do market research I mean how um did you know where your readers
0: would be I spent so summer of 2019 I started to get it in my head that I wanted to write full-time and that first book I had written had been I don't know, like a loosely based memoir, kind of romancy, women's mm-hmm. fiction, mm-hmm. didn't fit neatly into any niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, that's not gonna work. I'm gonna have to write something different. What is the other thing that I love to read? It's mm-hmm. it's it's cozies and particularly paranormal cozies. Yeah. I have read so, 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 so many of them. So I binged through, I think, 20 books on our summer holiday, just gobbling them down as quickly as I could, you know, but but looking at them less from the this is a fun story and an enjoyable Mm -hmm. way to pass the afternoon and more into the like, okay, well, what are they doing here? And how are Mm -hmm. they structuring these things? And what Mm -hmm. are the, you know, conventions and the tropes? So I studied all that first um, and had a good sense of that. And I could see those books were selling well. So I knew there had to be a market there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I just started to search around on Facebook, you know, cozy reader groups. And I found Mm -hmm. more and more and more. And as I said, I joined them straight away. I really watched to see what people were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just eventually kind of got the confidence. Yes, I can go do this. There's definitely a readership there. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's great. That's great. So what do you, um, where did you find your editor and your cover designer?
0: Yeah. So I made the I made a super newbie mistake that worked out well, which is I hired, um, I hired two friends. So I hired a friend who is a professional graphic designer, but had never done covers before. Mm-hmm. And I hired um, a friend who does copy editing sort of on the side mm-hmm. of um, her day job was like being a digital marketer. Mm-hmm. So I had confidence in their abilities, but they didn't know the tropes, the beats, the, mm-hmm. you know, cover conventions, that kind of stuff. And I think the fact that it all worked out as well as it did is as much a testament to their like desire to see me succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like this group effort that we were all doing. So they went mm-hmm. and studied up, you know, my graphic designer studied all the covers and looked at this and, you know, mm-hmm. I think 10 drafts before we got to the end, I was like, yeah, I'm totally happy with these. And she's like, no, I'm still not happy. You know, and 10 mm-hmm. more drafts <laughs> later, she's like, no, I'm happy with it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that worked out well, that could have, so easily gone sideways. On. <laughs> you know, I mean and she's um I've stuck with I stuck with that graphic designer for that series, but as I've moved on to other series, I have gone with more professional cover designers who have more expertise in mm-hmm. the cozy genre or mm-hmm. in the paranormal women's fiction genre mm-hmm. just cuz it was faster to work mm-hmm. with them. I, yeah. I didn't have to like do the teaching or the learning mm-hmm. along with them.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, um, what has been your biggest surprise?
0: My biggest surprise, I think it's um, it's really how incredibly supportive the indie author community is, mm. and. Um, I kind of knew this because I had come from the blogging background and I had been in all the blogging groups and I knew how much women were doing behind the scenes to help one another up. And, you know, I'll share your stuff and you share mine. And, you know, we're just all in the trenches together. So I I should have not come as a surprise Mm -hmm. to me that the indie author community was the same, but I think that the difference is that, um, you can see that indie authors are obviously helping each other out if you just pay attention to what they're doing on their social media channels or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you read the acknowledgements in the back of the book. But um, once you start to get deeper into it and you make that step where you're like, this is something I'm going to do and it's going to account for either a significant portion of my income or all of my income, Mm -hmm. you really discover like another group of very serious indie author writers who will just blanket share everything. And that is incredible to come Mm -hmm. from a business background where you're like constantly trying to hide things from the competition. It's been the exact opposite. You know, people are so transparent. Don't do this. This is the return I got. This is how much I'm making this year, but this is how much I invested. And you really Mm -hmm. can benchmark what you're doing. That's great. Yeah, I love that.
1: Um, in, In romance, same way. I mean, it's just, I mean, there are some outliers that are a little bit on the competitive side, but for the most part it's super, super supportive. And I just love
0: that. I think this podcast is a good example, you know, and there's several other podcasts where it's like you guys are just passionate about giving back. And so you host these sessions and there's so many authors that feel the same way. And so they come on and everybody just wants to share and lift everybody else up. And right. you know, there's it if you just dig a little bit, there is so much there more than you could ever imagine would be there to help you along the way. Right, right.
1: Yeah, Sarah and I have, I mean, you know, we say this all the time, and this is how we got our Mm -hmm. indie publishing education is through podcasts. And so we just want to make sure that everybody has the chance to hear the things we heard and then the new things. So I think that that's um, super important for us. Yeah. Um, What's been the hardest thing and what's been the best thing about publishing your book indie publishing book.
0: I think the hardest thing I've learned is the phrase your mileage may vary (laughs) and you guys have touched on that before and and, you know (laughs) you see everybody with the YMMV and I the first time I saw it I had to go google it up because I didn't know what it meant but um once I figured it out it was like oh yes." yes and um the way that's really come through with me is as I've started to get deeper in the indie author community and make these connections and people start to, you know, sort of like pull back the curtain and reveal, Mm -hmm. you know, either the incredible success they're having or the dirty laundry that they're hiding behind the curtain or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's so easy to fall into the um, state of comparison and, and really like killing your Mojo by just suffering from comparisonitis, like, oh well, we all launch books at the same time, and why is so and so's book doing so much better than mine? Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. And mm-hmm. and you know, rather than being like, this book has done the best, any of my books have done, I should be celebrating this, and instead, I'm kicking myself because I didn't do as well as you know Jill blogs over there or Jill blogs or whoever it mm-hmm. is, right? And that's so silly. Um, and I know that intellectually, but emotionally. <laughs> It's almost like it's a different it's a yeah. different situation, right? You're like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I will still lose an hour over here being mad about us, comparing myself to someone else. Yeah. And that is right. a really hard lesson to learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for us, because we have ranking in the stores and, you know, we can see how books are doing. You know, it's a little bit different because in most industries, you have to go out and do market research. It's a little bit harder to find out your mm-hmm. competition is doing in some ways. And this, it's very easy to look at the top 100 or whatever and go, "Oh, that's you know not where I hope my book would be." It's really, right. it can be really hard. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I think, don't know if there'll ever come a day where I look at someone doing really well and go, like my immediate response will be, "Oh, that's so great for them." I think there will always be that little dip of, oh, mm, and then I come back up and I clap for them. Yes, uh, exactly. I want that to be the case, but I'm just not
0: sure I'm made that way. So,
1: and I don't I think, know that well, many of us we're all human. Are. Yeah. We're all mm-hmm.
0: human. And, and, and so, you know, what's what's the hardest thing and the best thing is they're tied together. is learning that your mileage may vary and sort of saying, well, I'm going to take the good that I can figure out what they did and I can learn from their mistakes right. and I can get better and, you know, someday I'll have that success if I just keep working hard and right. balancing that out with the, okay, let's celebrate this win. Even if it's not as big as her win or his win, right. it's right. my win. And I'm, yes. it's it's precious and I've got to protect it right? and be happy with it.
1: Because it's my win that affects me. <laughs> Their win doesn't really affect or, you know, I mean, it affects me emotionally if I let it, but other than that, it doesn't affect me. It's my win that affects my bottom line, my career, all of the things, my influence, everything. So that's the one we should
0: concentrate on for sure. Yeah. To say hard to do that, <laughs> oh, so hard.
2: <laughs> well, have you had to make any mindset shifts as you've come along in the publishing journey?
0: Yes, I. You know, the first one for me is was that going from writing is fun to writing is now my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm still going through that. I think, um, and it's so hard because you you read so many things where someone will say, you know, you've just got to have your butt in your chair and you've got to turn out your word count for the day. But I know that if I do that, I will delete the whole word count at the end of the day. <laughs> if I'm just not feeling it, like, yes, I've done a thousand words and those will go promptly into the trash can. Um, you know, it's it's like learning your own style and recognizing that that's okay. And maybe actually the time I need to take is to think or go mm-hmm. read a book and get some inspiration or take a walk or whatever it is. And if I don't do my thousand words today, I haven't failed as a writer, you know, mm-hmm. Um that that was a that is still a big mind shift um, because it there are days where you do have the thought clear in your head and you know what you have to do and you don't want to do it and you have to sit down and do it you know Mm -hmm. and that's a big mind mindset shift yeah Um, so
1: paranormal cozies that is a tough tough genre to break into and I mean um, you've done it I mean you've you're making good money at what you're doing. So how did you break into that genre? I mean, we talked about market research and
0: stuff, but it seems like there's more than that. I think, um, I don't know whether what I did set me up for success at the time, it felt like a bit of a mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the things that I read in the para-cozy genre were all the witch cozies. Um, and there are so many fantastic witch cozy writers and I just loved those. And I, but I didn't want to do like somebody else's story. I felt like I needed to put my own stamp on it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up coming up with this idea, um, that wasn't it. Wasn't a witch cozy at all. The girl's not a witch. There is magic. There are ghosts. It's kind of more Harry Potter esque, and there's paintings that come to life, and ghosts that walk <laughs> the halls that help you, and fantastical creatures. But she's not a witch, so it doesn't hit any of the traditional witch, vampire, werewolf, you know, shifter, mm-hmm. whatever tropes that are the norm in paranormal cozies. Um, but what it does do really well is it somehow bridges this gap between contemporary stories and contemporary characters. And um, that real sense of history that you typically get with a British cozy. Mm-hmm. I did so much research and I set it in Oxford in the colleges, which I know very well. And um, I took lots of inf- inspiration from the actual historical actions that took place at the colleges, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Um, You know, so that gives my stories this depth that they probably wouldn't have if I had just invented it all myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's weird because the cozy—I think they've done well because they rank well in paranormal cozy, but they also rank well in the historical mystery chart, even though they are contemporary setting, which is kind of a weird one. Yeah, yeah, I think it it just made it just different enough that it that, that it kind of caught people's eye. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, and I think that speaks to the cozy audience in that the paranormal cozy audience in that. Well, they do love a witch cozy. That that it's such a voracious group of readers that they're willing to take a chance on something that's close. Yeah, I think. And, but I have zero experience. But that, <laughs> that's what it sounds. Like. So take that for what you will. But uh, but that's what it sounds like to me. And you know that they're just such a voracious group of readers that, um, and I do know that to be true. So uh, that's awesome that you you took that chance and it worked out for you.
0: It could have gone awry. Um, it <laughs> felt like I was trying things. to ask him those things, right? Um, it just it just worked out, I think, because it it was just sort of just British enough, even though I'm American, and and just paranormal enough, even though it's not a witch, and just historical enough that it kind of fits that. So it pulled in readers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so interesting in my Facebook reader group, I have a lot of um, readers in there that said, I've never read a paranormal cozy until I read yours. Mm. And they picked it up because they were like, oh, I love Oxford and I love Mm -hmm. all the description you do of the colleges and I love the history and the British Mm -hmm. setting. And so it seems to have like attracted a different demographic. Um, one that hasn't normally read, read paranormal cozies. Of that's course, now great. they all love paranormal cozies. <laughs> I was like their gateway drug into the, <laughs> into the world of paranormal cozy, but you know, the more the merrier. So that's right. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. well,
2: it is a really crowded genre. So if you have something that can differentiate yourself and help you stand out because the covers, a lot of the, and they, this happens too, like in the food cozies that like they're, they're, very similar. A lot of them it's easy to get mixed up on have I read Mm -hmm. this or have I not? So if you have just a little something different, it's the same but it's different. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that can help you out. So that's very, very good that you did that. I think. Yeah very cool. I mean
0: I think my um you know my cover designer as I said she didn't come from the book cover background. And so when we started to look at potential cover options she was sending me stuff that was like fantasy and I was like, yes, I love that, but that's not the right genre. But mm-hmm. I think all that digging around she did outside of the normal sandbox that we would play in yeah. branched, you know, branched out our minds a little bit to think, well, how do we make this look cozy, but also British, but also, mm-hmm. you know, not the stuff that we don't like about the cozy covers. And, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I think it just, that all came together nicely with the covers that we ended up with in the end.
2: Yeah. Well, worked out well, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, well, talk to us a little bit about the, um, we we're going to talk about the, the real cost of launching a writing career in 2021. So, there are a lot of misconceptions about how much it costs to launch a book. Some people think it's outrageously expensive. And um, some people, you know, think you can do it for very, very cheap. So, kind of talk to us about how much the price range you feel is like normal for an indie author in 2021.
0: Yeah. So nowadays everyone says it and it is so true. You cannot launch a book without a professional cover and having it professionally edited. And that means you probably need at least a thousand dollars to get yourself out of the gate. Um, and that's, that'll get you sort of one round of editing there or thereabouts mm-hmm. and one cover cover. That might be, you know, a cover that you buy off the shelf or one that you you do without too many amends. So, you know, investing a little bit, but not crazy amounts. And then you've got to have an ad budget. Um, But it doesn't have to be a crazy amount. So... You know, maybe you, you want to have a couple of hundred dollars or something like that. But I, you know, I was talking with a friend recently and I said, you should absolutely, you know, you write so quickly and you write well, you should go indie with your books. She's like, oh, I can't do that because I you know it's going to cost me 5000 or $10,000. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Who have you been talking to? That <laughs> yeah. number is ridiculous. But, you know, and that's, that's the kind of misconception is there's two camps of people who go, well, I'll just slap some cover on it. And and I won't have a you know, I'll use, I don't know, Grammarly or pro writing aid, which are great, but won't replace a real person. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll do it super on the cheap and it'll be fine. I'll sell loads. You won't. And people who go, I'm gonna go and pay a vanity publisher, or I've gotta pay someone a lot of money to, you know, do the layout of my book and a book cover is gonna cost me a thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. you know, you can pay that money, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. so I think it's about being sort of upfront with yourself in the beginning and say, I'm going to need however long it takes me to write this book. And that's your time, which has a value. And then maybe $1,500 to make sure that it gets off on the right foot. Mm -hmm. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, sort of a reasonable thing to kind of get in your head that you're going to spend and get comfortable with spending so that you're not counting your pennies. Um, And then being realistic about how long it's going to take to earn back out. Right, which might be a week if you're a fantastic and you right. at the top of the chart. Said, and it might be six months. Right, yeah. and I think that
1: you know if you have skills that you can barter for. I mean, this has been yes. a big discussion on TikTok, <laughs> and um, I'm not touching it with a ten foot pole. But I will say that an editor is your friend. If you can work that out, if you can, if there's any way you can make that money or barter for that service, then um, you should do that. You should try to do that. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard when you finish the book and you're like, I've got this book and I want to put it up, but you got to look long-term. I mean, yeah, that's the whole thing about this. Another thing about ads budget and I rarely rarely, rarely suggest this, but, but launching a book at 99 cents so that you can pay for those small newsletter promos like Fussy Librarian, mm-hmm. um, Bargain Booksy is a little bit more expensive and T's kind of in the middle, but those will, those will give you exposure and, at 99 cents, you can get some good eyes on those books if you're new yeah. and and you don't have money for ads, but you want to try to get your book seen. Um, again, I'm rarely a proponent for a 99 cent launch, but that is one way to do it if you have a limited budget. So yeah, I totally Even, agree. 290, even $2.99, you can yeah. still get in those newsletter promos you're just going to get more eyes on you if you're at 99 cents than if you're at 299. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have my first in series of the Oxford series, you know, sort of permanently priced at 99 cents. I want to make it, I, you know, there's still so many people that have never heard of me and I want to make it a total no brainer. Either Mm -hmm. you've got Kindle Unlimited and it's basically free or it's only, it's less than a dollar, you know, dive in and I depend on the rest of the series to earn out the money that I put into the advertising, it's generates a good return. And that's, that's great. But I, I want to go back to your editor point. So um, I paid my friend to edit my book, and I paid my friend to do the cover design, because I felt Mm -hmm. like I didn't want them, this was my risk. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. their risk to take. Mm -hmm. That said, um, I had another friend that editor who had worked with me, you know, way back at the start of my career and has known me for, you know, a hundred years, we sort of Mm -hmm. jokingly say, and she did the dev editing and she didn't charge me a penny for that. Mm -hmm. She read the whole book. She came back and said, these are all the things that are wrong with it. Restart and start fixing these things. Mm -hmm. And I'll read it a chapter at a time. And Mm -hmm. she still does that. She still reads every book I write a chapter at a time as I put Mm -hmm. it out and we barter. Now she Mm -hmm. started writing books and I do the same for her. And I do Mm -hmm. all the, you know. Print layout, and I post into all the stores for, and do all that legwork for, so she doesn't have to deal with it. And and I totally believe in bartering, but just make Mm -hmm. sure that both sides get something out of it. But if you can find those, I mean, Mm -hmm. God, that's like magic. You know, having Mm -hmm. a dev editor on call that will read. My chapters every other day, however fast you turn them out, you know, Mm -hmm. and give me feedback right away. And it doesn't cost me anything. And that means I can use the budget that I do have set aside for things that I just can't barter for, like Mm -hmm. space in the fussy library. And I could barter my... Mm -hmm. I could barter until I had no voice left, but they're still going to mm-hmm. say, I'm really sorry. It's $19. We want we your only. money. Yeah. We only
1: take PayPal and credit cards, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's lovely then. It's $19. You know. Well, let me just point out that when she says dev edit, she's talking about a developmental editor yes. or content yeah. editor. And then also just for I know that most of our listeners know this, but I, for for anyone new popping into this episode, you should never pay anyone to publish your book. Oh God. Yes. In my opinion. And I think that my opinion goes pretty much across the board with most indie authors. Yes. you. There are companies that will take advantage of someone who has a book or wants to write a book. And what makes me so sad is it's usually older people oh, yes. because they have a memoir or something like that. And, and granted an older person is probably not going to invest the time and everything to learn indie publishing. But you should not have to pay someone to publish your book. And a lot of times you will not get what you're paying for. Like you're paying for quote unquote editing and you're not getting good editing. So, you know, if you have questions, Sarah and I are available in our Facebook group, which I'd known then for writers, and you can pop in and ask questions, Um, but do not pay somebody publisher book even traditional yeah. publishers you do no. not pay th- I you mean, don't, pay. you don't pay a legitimate a publisher would not take money from me so yeah a legitimate publisher
2: either gives you an advance mm-hmm. or they you agree not to take an advance in lieu of future royalties correct and there's lots of companies out there that they are preying on people's basically their hopes and dreams and right a lot of times you lose your rights if you go yep. with these companies so you know just be very, very careful. If it sounds yes. like a lot of money, it probably is not a great deal. Because, no. as Lindsay was saying, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, you can do it yourself, and that is a big amount of money. But if you're looking at this as a career, like compared to any other business, that's really low overhead. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, to yes. get started, I mean, you do have your investment of time, but most mm-hmm. people are, you know, writing on their lunch hour, you know, while they hold down another job or something. Right. So, you know, right. it's, it is a significant amount of money, but in the big picture, it's really not, you know? Right.
1: So. And and I'm an outside the box thinker. Like I'm, I'm like, tell your friends and family for Christmas, I want money to go to my publishing, you know, venture. um, And, or for my birthday, just give me money and put it in the publishing account. And I mean, there are just things you can do, Mm -hmm. outside the box. right? Um, If you know it's coming, which if you're writing a book and you plan on publishing, you know it's coming. (laughs) So just make those adjustments. And I know we all are busy. We all have kids. We all have jobs. We all have tight budgets. But you can, I mean, there are just things that can be done. And I'll stop there because...
0: Well, you have to treat it like a business. Even yeah, if and, you're not and not going everybody to use is like, it like a business. Yeah. Still not treat everybody it seriously like, like yeah. a business. Yeah. Right. Um, but one thing that I see a lot people ask in, you know, big indie author groups like 20 books to 50, uh, yeah, 20 books to 50K or, you know, Alessandra Torres' this group, mm-hmm. and people will come in and say, when should I start, um, you know, talking to potential readers about my book? And that's such a common question. <laughs> and Um, It's good that they're there, but I think people need to be thinking, you know, I'm going, when they start thinking I'm going to write a book, that's Mm -hmm. when they need to be getting involved in the indie author community Mm -hmm. really early on. Mm -hmm. So by the time they're like, hey, I need an editor for my book and anybody give recommendations, you start to get a bunch of recommendations, Mm -hmm. they're vetted, you have multiple price points that you can look at, or you connect with someone who's like, I really need an editor. Copy editor, hey, me too. Let's swap each other's. You know, you're Mm -hmm. back to the bartering. But you have all that time to learn and make connections and figure out your way. So by the time you're like, okay, I got a draft. I'm ready to send this to someone. You aren't going. Where do I find an editor? And I think that's when people start to fall prey to the you know predators that are out there and wanting to take advantage of those people. And it's because they're just lost and overwhelmed and. And they feel this time pressure, rightly or wrongly, because they're holding a manuscript in their hand. Like, what am I going to do with this, you know? Right. (laughs) So I think the advantage of having started on the book journey in 2015 and waited to publish my first one until 2020 is I spent five years sitting in the back row of a (laughs) whole bunch of different, you know, indie author groups or Like the romance writer groups, or um, you know, watching Megan's journey and Mm -hmm. Kristen's journeys, and seeing what they learned along the way. So by the time I got there, I I knew what I was doing, right? Um, Right. And I think that's really important: is just get involved super early on.
1: I agree. I always say the best time to start your indie platform. I mean, your writer platform is yesterday. I always say that. (laughs) Um, But let's talk real quick about newsletters. Did you start a newsletter? Do you have a newsletter? How did you build your newsletter? If you have
0: one? Yes, I have a newsletter. I started it really early on. Good. um, Really early on. And I started it. What did I do? I think in the beginning, I just set it up and started trying to join some like story origin promos Mm -hmm. and things like that, doing newsletter swaps. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I offered a bonus chapter and, or a short story that sort of fell in between the books in the back of book one to entice people over. And of course, when you're just getting started and you're selling like a hundred copies, you mm-hmm. might get one, but that's one. Okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You just get going. Um, so then I took the first three chapters of the book and I offered them for some of the newsletter builders and mm-hmm. book funnel and in Story Origin and that. And I did. Um, what's the one where you can pay in? Is it Ryan's? Ryan Z. Ryan Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did one of those. Um, just just, you know, getting a few hundred here and a few hundred there, sort of to join yes. into some of the other cozy, um, organized newsletter builders that were going on. And then I finally wrote a proper like novella newsletter book, Standalone, mm-hmm. in November of last year. And I offered that up. And I did I used that as a newsletter builder for I think three months did a whole mm-hmm. bunch of like book funnel promos to get people in and that got my list up to a couple thousand, um, which was a good enough number to start, you know, making yeah. it easier to do newsletter swaps yes, and that sort of exactly. thing. It was enough for people to take me seriously. And then I took that novella and I took it out of the newsletter builder and I published it as book five in my cozy series. And it's, it's like a standalone with a side character, but I published it at 99 cents and added it onto the end of my series and it sells a few every day and paid for the cover that was no money. And
2: yeah, great. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to loop back to talking about series because you said you have multiple series now, right? Yes. So so did you finish off your first series and start a new one or or are they open-ended? How did you work
0: that? Yeah, so the first series I had planned for a four book arc, and I finished those first four books before I did anything,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: which was good because that series didn't really take off until the fourth book came out. Um, when that fourth book came out, and I put money into ads and a big stack, you know, newsletter stack promo, um, my income definitely leveled up that month and then stayed leveled up. You know up until now, um, and that that was really good. Um, so I'm glad I did that. And then I decided I was really captivated by the paranormal women's fiction genre, probably because I'm a middle aged woman that likes the idea of magical things. <laughs> <laughs> you could have guessed. Um, so I just had this little voice in the back of my head that was like, You need to write a PWF, you really need to do this. And so I sort of parked my um cozy series and split off and did, um a paranormal Women's Fiction. So I've done two of those and the third one should come out early next year. Um, so that's how I got my second series going. And then the third one was a bit of a random that I was not, was not in any of my plans, but you know, sometimes when you see an opportunity, you just have to jump on it. Yeah. So through the Paranormal Women's Fiction Venture, I um, learned that Robin Peterman runs um She does them twice a year and she launches books that are all written in her um, magic and mayhem universe. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. every book is like a standalone. It's, you know, fully branded with my name. It doesn't have her name on it. it. Has a little magic and mayhem circle. So and but she helps to promote them to mm-hmm. all of her readers of that universe. And I thought, you know, what better way to get my name out there than to team up with someone who is well known to paranormal cozy readers, is well known to paranormal women's fictions readers. Mm-hmm. You know, has a, ca- a captive audience, and she would be willing. You know, if I take part in this to tell people that I exist. <laughs> so um, I had, I emailed her out of the blue. And said, You know, I don't know how often you recruit people for this, but whenever you do the next one, I'd love the opportunity to pitch an idea to see if I could take part. Um, And I was like very businesslike when I sat down to write my email and, you know, put in all the stuff. And I've read all the books and she knew, you know, that I knew who she was and was serious. And she came back and she said, um yeah how about October and I was like okay October to pitch an idea she's like no could you have a book for October (laughs) (laughs) wow yes um well no she said October or June of next year but you know I'm like strike while the iron's hot I could not figure out any way to make my Oxford series cross over because hers is very witch vampire werewolf Mm -hmm. and I was like that's not my series so Mm -hmm. I have to do something new so I came up with something new to fit that um And it's a witch cozy, but the witch is a vampire. So that was my own little twist Mm -hmm. that I put on it to make it a bit more fun and feel like me. Um, But yeah, so I started another series and it seems to be hitting the mark well with people who like the witch cozy. So, you know, I was like, I'll learn from my mistake and I'll do something that really feels (laughs) like it hits the, the witch cozy niche. And that's just getting started. We'll see how it goes.
1: That's fantastic.
0: But I'm not. None of the series are closed off, so I'm working on another book in my Oxford series now. Um, mainly because people kept commenting on my ads that are running and saying, "When is the next book coming?" So then you start to go, <laughs> "When is that next book?" Yeah, on? exactly. <laughs> Maybe you should start that book. Huh? <laughs> I better come up with an idea for that book. No, so I've got sort of like another trio of those planned, but we'll see how they go. Right. Yeah.
1: That's. I great. Don't know
0: it's weird. I spent my whole life thinking I don't have a book in me, and now I'm like, you know, this would be a cool idea for a yeah. book. I don't have time to write this book. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah.
2: I think that happens. Like, once you start thinking and you start getting ideas, then, you know, it's just like you can't turn it off. And there's so many. And people who come to you and say, Oh, I have a great idea for a book. I'm like, You just keep that. I don't know. Yeah. I got got a laundry list
0: here. I could not get through.
2: (laughs) Or I'll say, I've booked until 2025. So, you know, come back and talk to me later in my own mind of things I want to write. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah would never say that out
1: loud. From, no, I would say. But I'm thinking it. Keep it to yourself, sister. No, I wouldn't. Need it. Um, so, Lynn, tell us what you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success has been.
0: Oh God, I mean, it's I, it's following along for, with stuff for five years before I put a book out. Yeah, you know, I feel like I did a PhD in indie publishing <laughs> yeah. before I had anything to publish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that meant I just I just hit the ground you know, 10 step ahead, 10 steps ahead of any other beginning indie author that I talked to, you know, they were still trying to find their way. And I was like, I know I need to book this and this, and I need this person, and I've got to look at this and I need a business plan. I'm going to need money to invest up front. I'm going to treat this like a business. And, you know, a lot of that learning process that early career authors have to go through, I went through, but before Mm -hmm. I had a book.
1: Right. Right. That's awesome. I think that's perfect, perfect advice and a great note to end on. We have enjoyed having you here so much. It's been great.
0: Thank you Thanks. so much for having me. It's been really fun. I'm a huge fan of the show. So it's oh, kind thank of, you. A, it's an interesting twist. I, I think I emailed J- Jamie, I think I emailed you about this one time that um, I had met you on the clubhouse Mm-hmm. coffee and chat calls at the eight yeah. in the morning. And um, I'd listened to those for a long time. And then that was how I got into listening to the podcast. And I found myself one day listening to the podcast and looking for the unmute button. So I could ask <laughs> you a question <laughs> before realizing I was listening to the podcast and not a clubhouse call. And therefore the unmute button wasn't there. Um, anyway, but that's, you know, that's really fun. And I think yes. the great thing about the indie author community is you can find people all over the place. You can. Um, and sometimes with the unmute button and sometimes not.
2: Exactly. <laughs> 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 well, where can people find out more about you
0: and your books? Um, you can find out more about me on my website, which is linnmorisonwriter.com.
2: Okay. All right. We will have that link in the show notes and those will be at podcast.com And just thanks so much for being here. It's been great to talk to you. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. No, thank you, guys. We were so glad to talk to you. This has been lots of
1: fun.
0: Are you doing any other early career authors? Yes, we are. uh,
1: We're doing a whole kind of series. Cool. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really
0: excited about
2: that. Yeah. So it'll be you be one of at least three, possibly four. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. that's a great I can't idea. Can't wait to hear
0: what the others have to say. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Lynn kind of kicked this idea off. I think was yeah. it Lynn that yeah. gave us the yeah. email. About maybe do some new authors. So this has been yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think um, I'll let you ladies go because I know you probably have other things to get onto. But I think one thing that has struck me is the number of times when I've said, "Like, what advice would you give to an early career author, and how does it differ from like what you do now?" And so many. 10-year-end authors will say, well, it's just exactly the same. Anytime you launch a first in series or a new pen name, it's, you know, we're in this all in the same boat. And I'm like, but you're not, because you've got Uh -uh. 10 years of learning behind you that I don't have. And there are going to be questions that I have that you, that won't be questions for you. Like, when should I invest in an audiobook, or when should I do these things? And they're like, well, you just obviously do it when you do it. I'm like, that's not obvious to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is very true it
0: is true
2: yeah. it is true
1: yeah well i think well, this will be really helpful That's yeah to be i do really too good. i hope so yeah,
2: yeah. So it's, it's helpful been, to me yeah it's been great to talk to you though mm-hmm. thank you very much
0: you're welcome i've enjoyed see you myself. later
2: and thanks to alexa waterberg for editing and producing the podcast and we'll see everybody next week bye y'all. bye thanks for listening to the wish i'd known then podcast We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.